Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating and love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome to 51 First Dates, the podcast about dating and cheersing and making it through 2020 in hopefully peace actually (laughs) let's not count our chickens spoke too soon spoke too soon uh well we'll have to figure out how we march on no matter what happens next week and forever okay that's a negative note but thank you for being here thank you for listening if you're new welcome this podcast started as a dating project slash experiment of sorts to get me, Kimmy, to put myself out there and go on a bunch of dates. Uh, spoiler alert, our little thing of going on dates to get into a relationship actually worked out for me for the first time in my life. And we've had other daters go on dates. We are figuring out what to do because all of our daters have connected with partners. Um, we will have a new dater probably by 2021. Liza, is that just safe to say? I think so. We're we're working on it. We're working behind the scenes. We're we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to bring someone who's going to bring a a good perspective, have the right chemistry with us, um, be fun and funny, uh, and also can someone who can go on dates, which because of COVID yeah. is tricky. It's so, really tricky right now. We don't want to be responsible for someone meeting up and getting COVID, um, especially as cases are spiking. Just in case you forgot, because everyone on your Instagram is doing whatever they please. And there are weddings and there are parties. And again, you, we, we know a lot more about this than we did in March. But just a reminder, we had the two worst days. We're back to our worst days ever in America in terms of cases of COVID. So I'm your annoying mother figure right now. But just be careful, please. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really it's really important. A, a friend of mine's um, 29-year-old cousin just passed away from COVID and I I didn't know him personally I don't I don't want to claim like grief of my own at all I just it was a real seeing her post about it it was a real moment for me of like oh shit like casualness around mask wearing I slip into it sometimes too it just let's just not do it doesn't matter what age someone is but just I know the feelings of being immune because you're young and I know that it's easy to think short-sightedly and you don't think about the people who you may infect because you fear feel young and, like, you can't hurt anyone. But it's just, um, you know, wear your mask, vote, and then we'll talk about dating. Yeah. That's in the reward. If you- <laughs> we should talk about, you know, we actually just recorded our interview for next week's episode, which will come out on Election Day, and we will try to keep it to be you know mainly a distraction episode with a really great interview that we're really excited for you all to hear but we should discuss maybe today briefly like content consumption future like what we plan to keep ourselves sane on election day just so people can start like plotting it um you know yeah maybe? what maybe? are we doing maybe i'll start real housewives of potomac that day there you there you go uh but what else is new oh we love you thank you for supporting us by going on to our secret Facebook group and just sharing your stories and letting us read them here. If you give us permission, that's great. We have a listener story today. We're also so grateful when you rate, subscribe, review. We love your reviews and it really helps us get cool guests on the pod. And how, it's like a really, really quick way for people to say, is this podcast okay and not like a problematic, terrible dating podcast? And they look and it's because of you. They are kind enough to join us as guests and you know this is super um clunky but I had one more point oh if you want to support us on Patreon we are doing bachelorette recaps they are chaotic just like Claire and we hope you <laughs> check those out we're loving them we're having a really good time um we're we're like 
starting to potentially recruit some friends to do them with us, like some some guests of the pod that you guys have liked. And as you know, we love the franchise. Uh, we love to hate the franchise. There we go. <laughs> love the franchise. That's more whoa, accurate. Whoa, whoa. Um, so uh, please do check out our Patreon. You can listen to our recap episodes at any level of membership for just a dollar a month. Is that right? Am I sp- spreading the right information? No, yeah. You, there's no minimum. I mean, five yes. would be great, but it's okay if you can't right now. We know it's tough times, and we're really just doing this because it's fun to build the community out more. Um, but we we obviously would appreciate your support if you if you don't mind. Um, totally. Okay. And if you like the Patreon content, like we're we're figuring out, you know, potentially doing some, you know, fun Instagram or not Instagram, some some other stuff around the franchise um, in that community. Uh, it also maybe spares the listeners who don't like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette from our recaps. Yeah. Um. So that's what's happening there. Uh, what about other, uh, today we're doing a solo episode. Yeah, we are. We're just. A rare experience. Doing it. We're doing it. We're talking about it. We're, we're solo together. A, a peas in a pod. I, wow, wow, wow. This has gone really smoothly and well. We are going to start with our consumption corner because it is still a pandemic as we just, you know, threw at your ears. Uh, but what we've been watching and then we will do a listener question and then we are going to dive into the eight relationship archetypes not necessarily a science but our lovely recent guest jessica Stahl, vanilla cool dance she runs an amazing account on instagram with the most relatable comics i i you know we have this amazing i feel like um guest list now list of previous guests who have amazing art on Instagram it's like the best part of Instagram but anyways she posted uh about these eight relationship archetypes so want to shout her out but I read the article and thought it would be really interesting to break those down uh figure out which ones we are Liza mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to do a thing though where we pick pick for each other yeah yes uh and I don't know I love things like this because especially <laughs> it just makes me remember that you know whether these archetypes are exactly right or not it's there's just there's so much if I'm feeling down about where I'm at in my relationship or previously where I was at in my being single there are actually a lot of other people in the same boat as you and there are like just factors that are outside of your value or your worth it's just like who are you what are the archetypes you fall into we love talking about the stories we tell ourselves and that will be fun to break down I am excited for it, but I'm also just excited to hang with you, Liza. How are you? Before we content consume, how are you hanging in there? You know, I'm okay. I'm okay. I am, the sun has not been out for a full week in New York, except for like three hours on Saturday. (laughs) So it's feeling a little doom and gloomy. I'm, of course, really worried about next week, Um, trying to think of ways I can be really active this week to try to just keep pushing for voter turnout. Um, and I'm o- super open to any of those ways. If people want to DM us, we'll reshare them, uh, sh- reshare them, share them, repost them. <laughs> Grandma yeah. knows her term, sort of. Um, but yeah, you know, I feel like I'm chugging along. It's weird how much uh, of a stasis I'm finding in core. I'm kind of like, oh, this is this is life now. Um, I don't wear jeans, and it, it's normal. Yeah, no, I, I feel that. Tried to put on some jeans recently, and let's just say it didn't go well. It didn't feel great. Um, eh, I will just, oh, to your other point, if you go to votesaveamerica.com, their homepage is volunteer right now, take action. They can bring you to where you can phone bake, whatever you can do, um, like immediately. And we'll all be happy, you know, with whatever happened in November, uh, happens next Tuesday, November 3rd. Or the weeks after, let's be real. Uh, you don't want to feel like, oh, I could have done more. And I'm, I'm really talking to myself right now because I still haven't phone banked. I've done postcard writing, but I have not phone banked. So I think it's time. Yeah. You can text bank if you're afraid of talking to people on the phone. I'm going to plan to do that this week um, and a little bit of phone banking. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's people are scary. 
<laughs> it's a it scary is. Time. They are. And, um, uh, but I, I will just say all of these organizations have done just really excellent job and especially Vote Save America at just making it easier. And it's a little scary, but it's a phone call and then it's over. And then you did your part for democracy and hopefully the future of this country in this world. Mm, TBD. Well, there's always the moon because the moon, they found water on the moon. So <laughs> I guess I'll go there. Ah, uh, Okay. How are you, Kimmy? Oh, my. I don't know. I, I don't know. Today, I'm caffeinated. So if you hear me being quite chipper, that's that's thanks to coffee. Uh, also thanks to, oh, Liza, this is like not content consumption corner. This is just consumption corner. I have uncovered the thing that caffeinated me this morning was there is a, I don't go to Starbucks. I am one of those snots who likes to shit on Starbucks coffee. There is a cold brew with cinnamon oat milk foam at Starbucks. Mm. There's a Starbucks near my house. I don't really want to support big corporations. I want to support my local coffee chain, but it is delicious and like feels like a little fall treat. So I'm just saying that is something that improved my morning. Um, And it finally feels like incredible. It's very good. I like a, a weird basic flavored coffee treat. Like I... I have a pumpkin spice latte a couple times in the fall. Yeah. I really like, uh, this is so embarrassing. I like the fucking, um, I like a caramel macchiato. No. I like the, I like a peppermint latte around Christmas time. No, it's, it's not embarrassing. It's really not. I think that's the point of Starbucks. Like even just, this is so much more low key because it's literally just the foam and it's like oat Mm. milk with cinnamon. It's just so simple. And so delicious. And I was like, oh, this is why people go to Starbucks still. Just getting yeah. plain coffee, of course, might not be great. When you get the drinks. Uh, anyway, this is not a That's Starbucks ad. So <laughs> We are not sponsored. No. I would take that sponsorship. Uh, um, but it was just a, a moment. And it, it finally feels like great. fall here. So I weirdly, I'm trying to just uh, take peace in like long walks, some chilly weather and leaning in I'm like do I need to carve a pumpkin do I need to bake I need to just distract myself and try to calm Mm. everything down I guess is really yeah a lot of uncertainty I will say I did a, a, a yoga class this morning I haven't done a yoga class in months I've been do I've been exercising but I haven't been doing yoga mm-hmm. so I did a class with our yoga studio the yoga studio that Kimmy introduced me to years ago Y7 they have an online um subscription option that they just started for the pandemic it's very scrappy and a little bit lo-fi like this is not what they do they're doing it to try to keep their business afloat during the pandemic I also I like shouting them out because mm-hmm. their founder is a cool really cool human woman business owner uh like they're um I'm just a general fan uh but I this morning I was like I have a lot of phone calls today I slept really badly last night I'm just gonna like take an hour and do a yoga class and I feel so I slept like four hours last night and I feel like I slept so well and it's like it was just such a moment of like oh why don't I do this more (laughs) but yeah it was really nice, and uh, if anyone if anyone wants to spend a a measly nine ninety nine a month, I think that like the the Y seven online thing is a cool option to just be like, okay, I will join to support and get myself to do yoga because I too have been doing little workouts and ones that do bring me some peace of mind. But I think I need like a longer, like a full forty five minute or hour long situation it where was I nice. can sweat. Yeah. And especially for us who we like were fans of the in in person classes, it also was like it felt normal. Like it's the same structure as their classes with mm. the three flows and the music and like it, it's just it's it felt like I was like, Oh, I love this. It was just like a nice, nice moment to have. Um I like that. I I'm think inspired. those are important in life right now, just being like, What's a little simple thing I can do that's gonna like feel nice that isn't you know, a bucket of cookies. Although a bucket of cookies is great too. I bought a bag of Tate's cookies yesterday and I'm one sleeve down. Oh, they're so good. They're like chips cookies, chip cookies. They're so thin. They're, <laughs> they're like so good. Crispies. They're nothing. Ah, uh, well, okay. And let us get to our content consumption. Does that sound good, Liza? Let's and do then it. we all do our listener question and dive into the eight relationship archetypes. Okay. <laughs> Why do I feel the need to pretend to be so official and structured when That's I'm That's great. Not? I love it. <sighs> okay. Well, what are you consuming, Liza? 
Oh, man. Okay. Well, I went dark this week. You ready? for? Because the world isn't dark enough. I watched a bunch of episodes of Unsolved Mysteries of the new season. I mean, they, they did like six episodes earlier in the spring or something. I don't know what time it is. It was in quarantine. And they just released another six episodes. And I watched a couple of those. Yeah. I like um, those. But I always want it to be solved at the end, even though I understand I the whole thing is that it's unsolved. <laughs> like, I know. But it's it, I, it's so funny because I've had that exact same reaction. Like towards the end of every episode, I'll be like, "Ooh, I wonder if they catch him." And then I'll be like, "Oh no, that's the name of the show." <laughs> um, but it's it's nice. It's creepy. It's I don't like scary movies, but I always feel the desire around this time of year to watch something like a little spooky. Mm-hmm. And some of those kind of do the trick. Um, obviously, some of them are really sad and um, intense. But I also I just watched one that I want to shout out that. It's an episode about um, the area in Japan that was really affected by the earthquake and tsunami in um, 2011, I think. Um, oh, my God. That could be totally the wrong year. But but the, the recent earthquake and tsunami that, you know, we all, most of us remember uh, from the news, uh, it, it's about, like, ghost sightings in this Ooh. area. It was very spooky, but it was also just a beautiful episode. Like, I mean, I think that... Japanese like kind of traditional Japanese culture has like really special and beautiful beliefs about um the afterlife and like the relationship between living and dead Mm -hmm. um and I just found it to be really beautiful and really like moving and also spooky I was like this is such a good like I I cried it was just a very uh you, I never watched anything like that that made me feel all of those things at the same time. So that was cool. I mean, yes. And also very sad. My knowledge of Unsolved Mysteries, the fact that you were moved and cried and also spooked. I mean, that doesn't, that's not par for the course for those, uh, that show. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was cool. It was, uh, they did one last in the earlier season about UFO sightings. And I feel like this is kind of the equivalent where they were like, let's do one about something vaguely supernatural. But this one was just so much better. It was like so so beautiful um also so fun to look at supernatural things in october one because of spooky season and all that but in this age of conspiracy theories we're like <laughs> like there is some fun to exploring conspiracy theories now where we've gotten to it's really scary like you know mm-hmm. QAnon is basically part of it has an affiliated political party but it is fun to like have wholesome getting into supernatural things like looking at ufos without it being like jfk jr is coming back from the dead and gonna be the VP to Trump I yeah there's something that makes me want to yeah get into like UFOs or without being too serious about them let's say 100% there's another thing is I, I think there are conspiracy theories that if you don't take them too seriously like they can be kind of fun as long as they don't cause harm to people which a lot of them do yeah um even you know mental and physical harm however um I'm also going to shout out a couple I watched a bunch of movies too mm. which I'd like to shout out um, I watched, okay, so I watched My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. Oh. Another thing, I was PMSing this week, so the tears are partially explained by that, but another thing that made me cry so much, I thought it was so beautiful. It's all, like, this underwater footage. Um, it's about a man who had, a, his life was too crazy and too hectic, and he wanted a simpler life. He moved near the ocean, and he went snorkeling every day, and he formed a friendship with an octopus, and it's... It's both visually like beautiful. I mean, it's like the it's the reef or the, uh, a kelp forest in South Africa. He's a South African man, uh, the director, and it's also just like very moving. Mm. Um, so it was like a nice watch. Like that's it was it's a great like mellow like pretty ocean. You learn some stuff, but it's kind of like his his uh, journey to. It just really made me feel a lot of things, and it was pleasant to look at. Um, which is kind of nice. So a huge shout out to that movie. Would that be good consumption for election day? Perhaps. Yeah. With the understanding that like, you're going to feel some stuff. Okay. Okay. Will you ever. There's a couple. Sorry. I was going to ask if you would ever eat octopus again. No, I won't. Okay. All right. Um, They're so smart. Yeah. Octopuses are amazing. And I know it's technically octopi, but they were saying octopuses in the movie. Like, I think it's kind of like whatever like the literature or whatever says octopuses and stuff because i think it's like an eye roll or whatever to say octopi but octopuses are like 
and almost as smart for an invertebrate they're like geniuses they're almost as smart as like dogs and cats they're really smart and capable of really complicated thinking and planning and strategery and like Mm. they're amazing um so that was that was a, a great watch and my last consumption corner i consumed a lot of content this week i love it liza this is great my last one is this week's okay so i'm like kind of a strange weirdo and i watch um snl every week Mm. uh like i i just i like comedy i know it misses a lot of the time but i'm just always kind of curious as to like to me it's like a sports team it's like you i'm kind of in if it's good or bad yeah you're not weird I know a lot of people that yeah it's just kind of like I'm invested in the journey of the players and stuff like that but this week's SNL hosted by Adele was really really fun it was like a fun the it's funny because the first sketch and the her monologue were not great and I was kind of like I was watching it live I was kind of tired I almost turned it off and then I kept watching and like it was just really fun really dumb funny goofy sketches there's a great sketch that's getting shared a lot about um a fortune teller kate mckinnon plays a fortune teller in 2019 uh and just there was just a lot of fun shit in it and i laughed a lot and that was like a big relief just to be like this is dumb and fun and kind of topical no i i want to laugh a lot i want dumb and fun and kind of topical Um, it was a good one just to throw on skip the first sketch it's not funny I yeah that's all I think you did a great job I was this week I planned this week I was like I'm gonna remember what I watched so I can talk I know now I'm like oh boy is mine no I actually I have some new ones this week I've done some new consumption so first I watched Borat the new Borat Mm. very what did you think I liked it I needed to laugh in that way I found it to still be really smart I, I I would caveat all of this with the fact that it's a little more complicated now that Borat is Borat is more recognizable and you're kind of like who how did he get these people to agree to it? Some hyper disturbing moments um about America as per usual, but it felt to me like I don't know, the chaos of Borat being injected into this like terrible like they addre- there's like Borat lives with these QAnon guys for a couple days. Like as much as I was like, why is he, how did they get them him to do that? Are they actors? What, what? It was also like, I just like that he's injecting this chaos into, and satire, or that's not even the correct word, but just chaos, honestly, chaos into these things that are so scary right now. I needed it. And I thought it was, I, yeah, I, I recommend it. And I just think Sasha Baron Cohen is so brilliant and, it was what I needed. I needed that. That's, That's cool. I hadn't. I haven't talked to anyone who's watched it yet. You're the first one I've talked to, so I'm really excited to hear that. I um, I've been avoiding reading too much about it because I like, you know, I kind of want it to be a surprise. It's like it does. Um, but I'm really excited. I, I'm. I think I'm gonna wrangle Jeff into what. Not wrangle him. He's excited to watch too. But I think we may watch it tonight. Yeah, I just looked because I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what the reviews are like on this. I really haven't. I bet this is the week podcasts will talk about it. 84% Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm not totally off. That's pretty um, good. Yeah, and the Rudy Giuliani scene is actually as disturbing as I thought, even with editing. Like, he, yeah, ooh. I thought maybe it would have been blown up, and it was like, he's just taking off his mic, but I don't, um, I don't know. Anyway, lots of disturbing moments, but, like, I don't know, there's something about, ooh, there's just, <laughs> I won't spoil anything. That's all. I'm so Check excited. Check it out, Yeah. That's what I need. It just like SNL. I need some dumb laughs. Yep. That are like kind of topical. Yeah, it's just helpful. They're dumb, to but then like the layers the next week. are smart. Like when, yeah, like totally. I think it's it's interesting. Um, and again, like a yeah, just whenever it interacts with real politicians, real life, like which is, and you know they're not actors. It's just it's kind of it's fascinating. I'm psyched. I also have a podcast I'm going to recommend that I've only listened to one episode on. It's called Bodies, and it's a KCRW um, podcast. And I, I'll just leave it at that. The first episode, Liza and I were talking, is about um, painful sex. And each episode is about a different issue someone is having with their body that they can't figure out. And the host, her, she's the first episode, and she talks about sex and pain and I think you know it made me angry in some ways just the things that happen with women's bodies that 
are just really unfair if they were happening to men's bodies because of a pill let's say I won't give too much away uh we would be up in arms but I would really recommend that it's an interesting listen definitely had some feels but I feel like it's not I don't know it's it wasn't too much in this moment um that's great and what else I feel like I had one more oh I'm gonna shout out a show I started last night that is dark uh the undoing with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant on HBO I started it last night. Did you watch it, mm-hmm. Liza? No, but it's getting advertised the like, the fucking house I down know. to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I extra. It. I, I yeah, I actually was into it. I was like, I think we're into this. Um, again, don't. It's it's like I think a bit of a who done it. I would classify it as it, there's a murder in the first episode. I will just say. Uh, I also wanted to shout it out because someone Liza and I both know Ismael. Cruz Cordova is, he in, is it? in it. Yeah, he's a ah, big part. Oh my god! In it. Yeah, it's really cool. Oh my cool. god, that's so cool! Um, I'm so happy for him. He's the nicest boy. He's so he's so he, he's a man. He's an adult man, but <laughs> he's just a sweet uh, a sweet angel. And I'm thrilled for any success he has. He's very successful. But anytime he shows up in anything, I'm like, oh, good for him. Yeah, he's an incredibly talented actor and incredibly kind. Once he was already on the up and up, he came and did an episode of Liza and my web series back in the day because we both had met him at different parts of her life. And I just, I, I don't know. I just, I was like, I want to support that. And oh, this yeah. show is interesting. That's really cool. I'm psyched. I mean, I was already going to watch it and now I'm like doubly, triply going to watch it because um, I'm, I'm such a fan of, fan of his. All right, Liza, shall we take an ad break and then do our listener question? Let's do it. And we're back. <laughs> I was just telling Liza, I really am on one today. So if this, you know, frenetic energy is too much for you, I'm going to try to tone it down for the second half. I think it's podcast. great. I'm jealous because I missed my, I missed my second, I have a cutoff where I have to get my second coffee of the day in by a certain time. And if I don't get it finished by that time, which is like 3.15, 3.30, I can't have it or I'll be up all night. And I oh, missed yeah. it today. So I'm on one coffee and it's not enough. No, I I hear you. It's it, it delicate balance to when you can have that second caffeine. I just ordered a bunch of tea, which I'm very excited for because um, that's a, like a different caffeine level that I can't handle mm-hmm. in the afternoon. Nobody cares. Okay. We are going to read <laughs> a question from the secret Facebook group that we got permission to read from a listener. So thank you to the listener for sharing. And here we go. Hello. I went on a date with a guy last night who ticked every box on my very extensive and semi-joking ideal man list. He's tall, very handsome, and my exact quote-unquote type in terms of style, etc. And he was really kind and fun. He's also from a working class background, but has a really good job and has made himself successful, which is very important to me as I'm sick of dating trust fund rich kids or men with no drive. However, for whatever reason, I just wasn't feeling it the conversation was great I felt at ease and he was saying how he feels he's known me for a long time etc he was also very straight up about the fact that he's dating for a relationship and that he's not embarrassed about admitting that those are his words uh has anyone else ended up developing feelings for someone they didn't feel a spark with on the first date also I think this is a very good example of it truly not being personal if someone doesn't like you in early dating this man is my Literally, my ideal person, and yet I found myself not feeling very sure about him. So, I think this is interesting. I'm sure at some point we've discussed this in different ways, but what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I think that that advice you're giving, ooh, sorry, I just hit my table, is that like this is a perfect example of mm-hmm. not feeling something. It, that's so wise, and I hope everyone heard it and felt it deeply in their souls. Um, I, I, I think. My the short version is I think you should go on another date with him. I think you should go on like five dates with him. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's too many, but uh, I think that it's. I think I hear all the time about people who didn't quite feel it on the first date and now they're married. Um, that's not that that's the goal, as always. Um, but I think that's really common. First dates are weird. No one is being totally themselves there's a little bit of an interview quality there's always a little bit of a wall up it's formal it can be even if the even if the conversation wasn't awkward people can be kind of not relaxed in ways that you can't realize because you're they're a stranger so you don't know what their version of relaxed looks like um I think you should if you like this guy uh and 
even friendship levels like him and you think that he really does check a lot of the boxes of things you're looking for, I think you should give it a couple really good chances to let that spark develop. And then you can call it if it doesn't. You can totally call it and be like, I gave this a really good chance. I have no regrets. I have no worries. There isn't a spark there. It's more platonic. Yeah, I think that's incredible advice. I think, and uh, yeah, I, I will, as always on this podcast, where we kind of just, rather than give advice, give our own feelings. My, my, when I hear this, my first thought is, I don't believe that there needs to be a big spark on the first date. That's the camp I'm in, firmly in. That said, usually I feel that way because when I've had a big spark, it actually had to do with like, quote unquote, list type things like, oh, he's this and he checks this. So then I make it a spark without, you know, or physical attraction, which is part of that list in a way. And so it's interesting to me that in this case, you both feel like all those boxes are checked, but you're not feeling a spark. So then it's not, it's a different thing than I've usually experienced when like a big spark then goes awry or, you know, I've kind of inflated it or projected something onto it. I think that Yes, you should absolutely go on another date if you want to. I also think that I read into the comments a little bit on this post and you also write later in response to someone else, I don't know if I'm really looking for a relationship right now. I've landed my dream career. I'm finally going to be earning a decent salary. I'm probably the most confident I've ever been. I just don't think I need anyone in my life right now, which is like that's maybe the answer here. Yeah. However, however, needing someone in your life versus potentially wanting to share you know you're going on dates you're in a dating podcast group you probably have some interest in at some point sharing your life with someone and I think again it's just a second date I would absolutely just feel out the waters again if if the only thing you get is clarity that like no I was right I don't feel it that's great Mm -hmm. then you don't ever have to think about it again totally or friendship with a person you really respect Yeah. You know, not everyone is into turning dates into friendship, but we have lots of listeners who meet really good friends that they went on dates with and and decided to keep hanging out with platonically. Um, I've never been able to successfully do it, but I have heard that lots of people do it. And if you really respect this person and like him, you know, there's no um, I don't think there's a downside to going on a second date. Uh I understand how you feel about like sometimes when you feel really good in your life you do have that feeling of like oh I don't need um I'm not looking for a relationship right now like I've I've gotten out of things because I'm like oh I really want to enjoy this security I've built for myself like I want to enjoy this solo and like fucking take a moment and and embody it and that's great too yeah but even then I think you'll learn something going on a second date with him and I I think that um it's not you know uh, it's not, I think it's worth sussing out for another coffee or meal. Yeah, I think, yeah, great point, Liza. I, I'm actually obsessed with like the nuggets of truth in this post that you wrote, that the listener wrote, because they're just such good reminders. Like, yeah, you don't, if you're feeling good without someone in your life, it is perfectly normal, like, or sorry, society makes us feel like it's not. But I think you know, this could continue for your whole life where you're like, no, I want to be independent. I don't actually really want partnership. I want to remain unpartnered for my life. I like that. I'm borrowing that from Dating White, the podcast that we, I mean, and other places um, we are interviewing next week. They're great. But like, rather than saying single, I kind of like unpartnered. Like you can Mm -hmm. be with a partner or unpartnered. And it's just, I, I just, I don't know. I really like that. That nugget came out of kind of the comments around this as well. And I think I don't know, if I open this up beyond your specific experience, but more broadly when I think about, okay, someone is not feeling a spark on the first date, what should they do? I'm like always pro second date or even a few more because, and I don't think this is the case for this post, but more broadly in what I've seen in patterns of myself and friends is I sometimes think we don't feel a spark right away because it's not what what like triggers that pleasure center of what we think relationships should feel like and all those relationships didn't work out if we're dating again so for me 
I think the lack of spark would maybe suggest to me that this could actually be a healthy thing I'm avoiding in some way. Again, that was my pattern. So maybe some of you will relate to that. And I'm thinking back on my first date with date 13 and I definitely had a good time. But it's funny because when he listened to the podcast episode, he was like, you talked about like crying on your drive home. Like I, it was a snowstorm. Like I definitely just was having a feelings night, not about him. I was, I had a great time. I thought we did have chemistry and get along, but I wasn't like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And now I'm in the healthiest relationship (laughs) the only healthy relationship I've ever been in and I don't know I would just say that's like for other people who relate to this question like I sometimes think that the people you don't feel the spark with could right away sorry you have to feel it could be the healthiest people for you totally I think also the spark can be felt when you know there's mismatched expectations Um, I was in like a very sparkful situationship that I started feeling the spark faded quickly when it was clear, like he wanted a relationship more than I did. And then it was gone. And I was like, I, I, you know, mentally can't get it up for you anymore. <laughs> that's, sorry. That's a weird, gross term. But I think that in this spe- specific case, the lack of spark might be because he has, he wants a relationship and you know, that's not necessarily what you're looking for. So I think you can give that credence too. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, it's, I love, uh, I love so much about this. Just like taking the autonomy, like deciding for yourself. Like maybe this poster literally is like, oh, I'm realizing in real time as I posted this, like I am just not actually looking for a relationship. And we forget as a society, even myself earlier in this exact response, like, yeah, women can sometimes not be wanting to get serious with anyone too. And then, yeah, you're probably looking for a bigger spark at first, someone you could be sexual with, like, partner with in different ways versus you know I don't know like I I keep just trying to remind myself and all of us that it's not we don't all have to be searching for the one the partner it's not something in our DNA as women well maybe a little bit but society has made us feel like that should be a priority but it sounds like it's literally not a priority for you and then fuck it you know yeah totally but great question, and yeah. um, thanks for writing in, listener. Yes, super relatable. And now, and now, we are going to dive into the eight relationship archetypes. Which one are you? This is a piece on Medium that uh, is written by Karen Nimo or Nemo. I apologize if I mispronounced it. And we were alerted of the existence of this essay by Jessica Stahl at Vanilla Cool Dance. We had her on recently. Just want to shout out all the credit. But yes, Eliza, how shall we do this? Okay, so there's eight types. I feel like we should maybe just mm-hmm. read a couple sentences about each. We can yeah, switch let's, on let's and break off. break it down. Totally. And then at the end maybe, or or as we're going, I think we should we should tell, we should guess which one the other person is. Yeah, yes. And, and then um, what we think we are. Like, write it on a piece yes. of paper. Don't, yeah, yeah. Totally. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So I'll go first. And and we'll also discuss as we go, um, or maybe at the end, kind of, you know, how these are useful tools to help you in your dating journey. Um, yeah, okay, and again, first- this is an interesting essay. Sorry, but I don't know, like, if there's any science behind it, et cetera. This is just for fun. So it's fun to categorize. I, I am yeah. obsessed with categorizing. I'm obsessed with Myers Briggs. I'm obsessed with Enneagrams. I love all this shit. So this is like heaven. Um, okay, so the first one is the avoider. Avoiders struggle with commitment. Even when they're willingly in a relationship, they're not a hundred percent in it. One foot in, one foot out. Yes, yes. I think that this is very every man. Much men. No. <laughs> Maybe they want to keep their options open or they just don't like or are scared of the forever word. Uh, Yeah, I think avoid – this is interesting because it gets kind of into attachment styles, which we'll also have an episode on coming up pretty soon. But yeah, the avoider, the people who are – I actually like that it's a struggle with commitment. It's not even afraid of commitment. It's just a struggle for whatever reasons, whatever happened in our past, et cetera. Okay. 
kind of uh, also relatable. They're all relatable. Great, great, great. The pleaser. Pleasers are the givers in relationships. They're nurturers. They tend to be innately kind. They'll go out of their way to look after and keep partners and kids and any kids happy along with everyone else they care about. Actually, hmm, I don't know if I relate to this as much as I thought I might. So I have moments except for I think I'm I think I'm going to be like a, a lot of parts of all of these. But uh, I think a lot of women have have this intuitively where it's like, I'll just do what you want me to do and make everybody happy. Yeah, it's true. It's I, I feel like now being in a relationship, I'm not the pleaser in that way. But early stages of dating, absolutely in the workplace, absolutely. And these are mm-hmm. things I'm definitely trying to, yeah, social interactions that are not with super close friends. I do think we a lot of us are inclined to people please because honestly then there's no drama and it just feels easier, but it's not. Uh, I think resentment would be the downside of being the pleaser, you know, in a longer term relationship or friendship I think I personally, when I feel like I'm, again, I feel like this is more of like a work habit that I have, you know, just being the pleaser, being the pleaser and not really taking care of my own wants or needs. Maybe, maybe I do feel some resentment. Totally. This Mm -hmm. was very much me as a younger person, like really, really obsessed with like um, making other people happy because I thought if they didn't want to be around me it was a reflection on who I was and yeah it it is tiring and I think there is a, a clock on it I think there's a point where you will like your feelings will creep in your resentments will creep in and it gets it gets tricky yes oh shall that's we do when that? I went to therapy when my pleasing was like at a tipping point and I was like going crazy because I was trying to please everyone so much all the time yeah, I, I would say you have – are we calling each other out now? No, just kidding. Are we – I think yeah, you have Yeah, we some, can do it as we go. Yeah. I see pleasing in you for sure. You are a pleaser. And it, but that's a great thing because you, you're not always a people pleaser either. But like I think of your relationship with your larger family. Like it makes you a really good person who's going to show up for things and check in about things. So it's – every single one of these has – Good and bad, but that's just like life. For sure. Yeah, it's, I feel like it, pleasers tend to be, maybe this is a guess too, but I think it's like something that can come along with being a youngest child too. You know, I think mm. a lot of times youngest child, yo- youngest children, I'm also obsessed with birth order, but I think a lot of times youngest children are like kind of the class clowns of the family or they're trying to keep people smiling. They're trying to keep people, you know, they're kind of like, uh, they're kind of, yeah, pleasers. And then also uh, extremely needy. <laughs> yeah, fair. Okay, the next one is the worrier. Worriers struggle with uncertainties. They're easily distracted by what has happened in the past or what could happen in the future. They need security from their partners and certainty from life. Um, sorry, they need security from their partners, which is fair, and certainty from life, which can't be guaranteed. Um, they can be solid in a crisis because they function well when busy. Interesting. I don't. No, but I relate to this a little bit. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I see some shades of you in this, especially the like um, functioning well in busyness and doing well in crisis, crisis. Yeah, though then they go on to say, you know, they like lists and plans, which I do. When I make a list, I get everything. I feel like I have some control over my life. Chores to do what's for dinner, what's happening the weekend. Uh, they're the domestic organizers. While this can come across as a little controlling, warriors are often the ones to thank for getting shit done. I don't relate to all of that. Like that feels very type A to me in some ways, mm. which I am in some ways. Uh, but I'm I'm a big warrior. I think, yeah, uncertainty was like the theme of my 20s and like my mom being sick, but like it was, it, is the cancer going to ever be able to be cured? I Yeah, I've always been a warrior though, even when, okay. Yeah. So far, I really the most I think, to this one. I think this is an older child. Like, I, this makes me think of Jeff, too, my partner, not to totally call him out. And this isn't, fu- like I said, isn't fully him. But this is definitely a little bit where he lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is some oldest oldest children yeah. stuff. And having been faced with family, um, you know, illness and, like, stuff that you guys have in common. Um, oh, yeah. That's I true. think it does, like, bring out that side of your personality a little bit. But, but uh 
but you know also shades of this remind me of um other like older children in my life again with my goddamn birth order okay no I love it I love it you know I've never done Enneagram you mentioned that prior and I kind of want to do it you would love it also once you read I think Enneagram it's like there's one through nine and it's nine I think it's nine different personality types Mm -hmm. and once you start reading them you're gonna be like oh my god this is this person this is my dad this is your my brother this is this this is that this is my roommate this is Tony like it's reading them your mind explodes by just how like in a way that you know I love astrology in a way like astrology doesn't Mm. like it's it's um it's really like very well uh organized whoever whoever wrote it is like yeah I'll do that this week that'll be a thing that I do All right. The anchor. I already know I'm not this. (laughs) Anchors are prize partners because of their emotional maturity. Definitely not me. Anchors are not perfect, but they tend to be evolved as people in that they are are grounded, emotionally skilled, non-defensive, independent, but not cold, and able to see things from another perspective, which helps in dealing healthily with conflict. Who are these fucking people? Fuck you, anchors. These don't exist, do they? I think... Okay, the next part, not to be like, I'm dating an anchor, but Tony has some qualities. Because anchors are secure within themselves, they're in a relationship for pure reasons. They love and want to be with their partner. Okay, wait, that's not, I'm not. <laughs> they support their partner in whatever they do, but they do come with a caveat. They they will need their partner to be in charge of their own life. They won't be taken for granted or treated poorly. If they are, they'll walk. The, the security in it is something I will sometimes be like, Are you? have you ever been insecure in dating to Tony? And he's mm. uh, like, you guys listening don't know him but he's like he's a shy person he's not some macho you know somewhat shy I'm, I again don't want to call him out but there is this security that he has which I envy yeah it's so funny because you say shy and I was like I'm he's he's never read as shy to me he's he reads as confident you know like I think the most confident people don't have to talk unless they have something to say that's always a really like impressive feature to me as someone who fills silence with talking I mean hi yeah here's me talking on the internet um but but yeah I I can totally see that yeah yeah I see aspects of Jeff here too and it's interesting because I'm wondering if this is something that's socialized gender wise too Mm -hmm. if men are more understanding that their relationships are their relationships and not um like their whole the a basis for their self-esteem you know right. what I mean? Because for us, we've been spoon-fed the idea that relationships and our ability to get into them should be the basis for our self-esteem because it's what makes us follow the path that all the cartoon princess role models did or whatever it is. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I do think it's a bit male. It's also interesting. This is the first one I read where I'm like, absolutely not me, but I'm jealous. <laughs> so I'm like, totally. oh, okay. So... <laughs> non-defensive not not I not I Uh, (laughs) that's funny okay so the next one is the controller the controller uh control is a troublesome word in a relationship the balance of power is supposed to be even or at least shared in ways that work for both parties a controlling partner will want to run the show always they keep themselves front and center in a relationship well that's scary yeah and they get into the more extreme end a controller will seek to manipulate their partner's thoughts feelings behaviors and you know be be abusive an abusive partner yeah but okay if i'm not on that side of things just in like wanting to run the show i relate to this a little bit well it's funny because i do think that most relationships have like you know people will say the flower and the gardener or the talent Mm -hmm. and the management I do think that people tend to have, but that those, I guess those, those metaphors aren't really the exact same thing, but I think someone does tend to be in the driver's seat in a relationship and it's not a bad thing. You know, I think that like some people are more natural drivers and some people are more mass natural passengers and to find someone who kind of like works with your level of that is not bad, but yeah, overall, like dr- yeah the word controlling is so tricky yeah I think I yeah I might just disagree with this as a relationship archetype unless we're including like very like it's a relationship problem in the way it's described I'm not saying that I'm a problem in my relationship however I'm thinking of things like it's more like the independence like I couldn't have Mm -hmm. been with someone who didn't who wasn't gonna come be willing to move out to LA after if I got a job out here and all that like I I'm a little selfish, I would say, rather than controlling. So maybe it's like 
the selfish I, one. I think that harkens back to like other other types, though. Mm. I don't know. I think that harkens more back to anchor anchoriness, like you know, being in charge of. I think it's an independence thing. Honestly, okay, no. There's one because I read this before. There's one coming up that is more what you're saying. Okay, okay. And I okay. will call it out when we get there. Great. Um. Okay. You want to wait? Did I just do that one? You do the I next think, one. I think so. Yeah. Okay. The supporter is a relationship favorite in that they're consistently there for their partner. They're often labeled the rocks in relationships because they're steady and reliable. They're calm when life turns chaotic. Outwardly, they appear chill, but that's not always the case. They tend to carry their worry on the inside and may genuinely struggle to express their own feelings. So if you're with a supporter, you have to be sure to look out for them too. Hopefully, we all have a little supporter in us. Hmm. Hmm. I'm chaotic. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I mean, I feel like I like this one, but I also, but especially the the call out that hopefully we all have a little supporter in this. Yeah, I think that like that's kind of the mark of a good relationship is that there's moments when someone is, I think you got to be able to rise to meet this need and also the other person has to be able to rise to meet it. I've definitely been this for like long periods of time of extreme need and then when I need it, it's right there. You know what? Like that's where I was mm-hmm. like, I, that's where I was kind of like, okay, this is, this is good. This is like what, what we both need from each other is being met. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that in the good ways, you are a supporter, Liza. I think, I think you like are steady, reliable as much. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think you are a supporter in some ways. I don't think you ex- struggle to express your feelings, though, or th- those parts of it. No, I express them too much, <laughs> too, <laughs> no, too often, too regularly. <laughs> too, uh, um, yeah, I think it's like I think I do think everybody who's like fairly to takes care of themselves and is like a pretty like okay mentally healthy person is able to to do this you know like I feel like this is like what it is to be like able to be in a relationship yes I feel like support like supporter and the controller um yeah this is a clinical psychologist writing this so she knows more than I do but they feel a little bit just like being bad behavior and good behavior in a relationship in some ways Mm -hmm. uh different than an archetype like like almost like sub archetypes that could apply to a lot of these others um but that's just my humble little baby tiny opinion. I think that's very wise. Yeah, they're kind of like the two sides of a coin. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and one is icky and one is good. Um, okay. Yeah. The next one is the soloist. The soloist loves and craves independence. They may love their partner and want to be in a relationship, but that doesn't quell the need for a lot of alone time or time doing their own thing. They need it to rest and fill up the tank. You. <laughs> this was the one where I, I was forgot like, about this, is- this one. Yeah. This is the one where you were saying earlier, like, oh, maybe I'm uh, which one were you saying? Controller. You, yeah, the controller. And I was like, no, I think that this is more you. I think it's just like you You need to be with someone who is not going to take away any of your independence. And that's rare as as a woman, you know? Yes. And I forgot about this one. I do relate to this one. Uh, and I, I, I imagine some people listening to this podcast might relate to it as well, even if they don't think of themselves as a soloist and are really dating hard to try to find partnership. I would just, yeah, I like the framing of like independence as a positive thing here. Totally. And the possibility like uh, that you can be in a relationship and maintain your independence. Yes. It's not always easy. I struggle with it sometimes. Like this has been a, a struggle in quarantine for Jeff and I both to be like, I think I need you to go away, <laughs> you know, not like in those words, but no, you know, like I'm going to do my own thing tonight. I don't want to discuss what we're eating and what we're watching. I'd like to just choose those things on my own. Yeah, I've had to. It's been such an interesting challenge, especially because we're on a totally different timeline than you and Jeff are. But just to articulate, I like with quarantine, I need a breather. Like I need a break. We can't be codependent. And it's hard to articulate 
without being kind of mean. I mean, this this description says independence only becomes a problem when their need for me time leaves their partner feeling alone and unloved in a relationship. I don't think I'm at that extreme, but I do think that I'm in a partnership where I'm more likely to be like, let's just not order dinner together. Let's please not. I need to do what I want or eat like a weird cracker hummus dinner tonight, <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's it's hard because of the the whole Disney esque whatever uh, nonsense vision that we've all been sold, which is just like love is perfect and everything is kumbaya all the time, and we're all you know dancing on clouds together and whatever. And in in real life, and, and the idea that your partner is like a part of your complete whole. Um, yeah. Rather yeah. than like you being two independent functioning beings who are choosing to live a lot of your life together. Uh, like that, I, I never really thought I could find and and, get, and be with. Yep. Um, and it's hard. It's still sometimes it's hard to be like, this is what I need. Let's talk about what you need. And maybe it's not going to match and whatever. And um, I, I but, think also just the end here again it's like if you're in a relationship with one a soloist insist on being a priority because I'm just thinking like mm. if you're there are things in which I wasn't the soloist uh because I wasn't even in a true partnership or a relationship yet with the person but I kind of did not insist on being a priority and that didn't mm. work out so well so it's just an interesting flip side that popped into my brain yeah, I think that's really smart because I also think it's easy to get into like too independent of tracks and not take the time to make each other special and important. Um, and and yeah, it's like you do have to kind of feel like, okay, oh, like let's yes. bring it back in. Um, I like that one. Uh-oh, the chameleon. I'm the chameleon. I forgot about this one as well, but it's mine. I'm a lizard person. Okay. <laughs> like their name suggests, chameleons change their opinions and behaviors to suit the situation. Chameleons make challenging partners because you never know what you're going to get. The interesting thing is they don't know either. They can be a joy and a nightmare even within the same day. Oh, yes, this is I me can. too. <laughs> Chameleons tend to be ruled by their feelings. Uh-huh. Emotional management is not a strength. Uh-huh. So they can be all over the place. Great fun to be with. As well as irrational. Hard to read. And when upset, hard to placate. Proceed with caution. Well, I would love to be a soloist, but I am a chameleon, unfortunately. I'm working I on it. don't. I mean, I don't think so. I, I see shades of myself here, too. This is the thing. Is like, I think I see a little bit of myself in all of these, except for maybe the controller. I hope not. But, like... It's just interesting to note, like, I, I don't know. It, we all have all these facets of us, I think. Yeah, and I think it's like, it's just tend to be ruled by their feelings. Being ruled by my feelings is something I've struggled with for a long time. And I, I think I've gotten better at it through the years, but um, it still happens to me sometimes. And I don't know. I think with all of these and even the end of this essay says, you know, you can be more than one. You can overflow. And the goal of all this and creating structures like love languages or archetypes around dating styles, I think is just to better understand yourself and the partners you choose to have or want to choose to have within kind of a framework that makes it all more tangible than like love. I'm going to find love. Like we don't get a lot of tangibility on what around what that means uh we get fairy tales and I think that these archetypes are just interesting because I kind of looked at myself through each archetype and that made me think about even in my relationship right now how could I be a better partner because I know the things the things when I get too like I'm doing my thing today when I know I'm kind of hurting my boyfriend's feelings that's not great and I just had to quickly think about them as I realized I am a chameleon okay yeah well it's useful to think about all of this stuff because the the things that you see yourself in the independence thing bumps bumps something the soloist thing bumps something for me too in quarantine exact same thing where too often I've been like I have my own like priorities I have this I have that I'm like trying to you know do do these things that don't involve you and I think it's really important like reading through these and thinking about them I do feel like it's really important to kind of be like look at what 
rings true and think about um, ways that you can, if not like fight against it, at least like examine it. Yeah. So Liza, what do you feel that you relate to the most? Um, it's interesting because, uh, I would say, um, my, my like core being is, relates to the pleaser the most. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that that was again, like a much younger version of myself that I really like had to work to kind of combat because I could just feel myself cracking under the pressure of trying to please so many people. Yep. Yep. Um, so now, I mean, it's tricky. I'm a little bit the I I feel like I have been okay, the pleaser in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh I think like the supporter before COVID, I was kind of like, okay, we can do this. We're in a good place. Life's good, chugging along. And right now I'm full ass the warrior. I am the warrior in COVID. Like yeah. that's what's happening. My lists, my like uncertainty, my like desperation for order. Um that's very much my 2020 frame of mind. Well, the warrior captures a lot of like the anxiety you and I both deal with and many people, sorry. Only Liza and I have anxiety. <laughs> uh, we're special. We're so special. No, but it feels like, yeah, I relate to the warrior more than ever maybe right now. I don't know. I don't know. I really think I'm a chameleon. I think old me was a chameleon and I've had to crawl my way out of that hole of being a challenging partner and you never know what you're gonna get a joy and a nightmare sorry that's it a joy and a nightmare I am a joy and a nightmare I I swear to you if I showed these to Tony he would be like you're the chameleon (laughs) he would um I'm working on it guys I'm working on it future me I feel like I'm evolving towards a soloist you know I think you are equal you are more soloist than chameleon I'm just giving I'm just like okay I believe that But I also respect your feelings about yourself. But the same way you related to the pleaser, I'm like, this the core, the inside of me, the child in me is like, Mm. oh, that's me. I'm Scorpio. I am a bonkerous lady. Uh, Yeah. Lots of moods. Yeah, it's like your moon sign. It's that thing of like, what is your inner, what is, who are you when you're totally alone? What's your inner core? Like, Yeah. You know what could also be interesting to do with this? And we'll definitely link it. And again, shout out to Karen Nemo who wrote this. But to look at, even if you're in early dating or just like thinking about creating a list of like, who do I want to be with? Just kind Mm. of filter your not ideal partner in like a full manifestation exercise, maybe something adjacent. But looking at like, how would I do with an avoider? You know, how would I do with a pleaser or, or some combination of the two? Uh, avoid like we'll again in like two weeks we should have an episode on attachment theory which is great because like the avoidant attachment I will dive into that more I think it's tricky like some of these are tricky to be like oh yeah that's my ideal partner the avoider or the chameleon so you have to kind of combine them but like what are things that would complement your your relationship archetype totally (laughs) Also, um, I'm just I'm laughing because I think Jeff is like walking around outside our bedroom right now and heard us recording this. And he just texted me, what do you mean you don't want to discuss what we're eating and watching with 12, 12 question marks and a bunch of crying emoji faces? Oh, my God. Oh God bless so is there, him. Is there what's the neediest one? He's not. <laughs> um that's amazing but yeah Kimmy I think the point you made is is super super good this is a great this is a great place to go to again Kimmy and I both had immediate impulse reactions of like we are this in Mm -hmm. our cores and I think you know a lot of people also have impulse reactions of like I cannot be around that you know and unlike obviously look no one wants to be with the controller and I'm sure everyone wants to be with the anchor but even outside of that I think it's important to kind of look at these and it's jogging a lot of um it's to me shaking loose a lot of like thoughts about uh the way my personality works in relationship in romantic relationships to other people's personalities yeah and it makes so much sense that a psychologist wrote this it's it does feel like an exercise in therapy Mm -hmm. where you're kind of trying to name what you do in relationships or what you want to not do like be moody and feelings driven uh yeah i i 
I hope you all thought this was interesting. We thought it would be a fun way to just add some structure and make us all be like, okay, okay, it's not just me. We all do these different patterns in relationships or non-relationships. And, you know, it's hard out there right now. So whatever, like, fun new frameworks we can talk about, yes. Yeah. We are here for it. Guys, we love you so much. It's been so fun to do a solo episode. Um, we'll keep sprinkling these in because Kimmy and I like to talk to each other. We do. Um, Make sure you vote. Uh, queue up your Emily in Paris. Queue up your Real Housewives of Potomac. Queue up your uh, Octopus Show, maybe? No, maybe not. <laughs> queue up some. I think it would be okay. We, you know, we were just discussing this with our guests for next week and just like meditate yoga. Turn on a show. Do not... The, yeah. I know we're a week out. Okay. I keep forgetting which week we're recording. But, you know, you did it all you could. And now it's a day. And it's really, really scary. But you got to okay. just make a plan so that you your mental health is – so that you're going to be okay. Take a walk. Leave your phone at home. You know, try not to be too on your devices all day. There's nothing more that you can do unless you're volunteering. Um, yeah. Guys, we love you so much. Love you. Thank you for this. We'll be back next week. Tell Go a on a friend. date. Go on a no. date. T- sorry. Tell a friend. No, Rate, subscribe, review. You always do. We love you. Bye-bye. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.